This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. friends we are back welcome back to the transcend human podcast we are in the middle of a series called transcending eschatology uh, basically a series on end time events so welcome back to that you are right in the middle somewhere Um, i believe this is part eight so july 24th 2023 here we go um brief update on me first of all Um, things are going well. We are all moved into the new place. I think everything at this point is out of the boxes we packed them in. And so now it's just settling in, um, moving furniture around, deciding, you know, where pictures go, just all the basic stuff, uh, when you get into a new place. So that's, what's going on here. Uh, we still have, um, summer activities going on. So our, our middle daughter is back from college. She'll be going back in a few weeks. And our son graduated from high school. He's obviously home all summer. And then we'll start uh, community college in the fall. So good time to be alive. Uh, but let's dive into our episode here. Um, I typically walk through the previous episodes, but I'm not going to do it this time. I'll just give you a very high-level overview. So basically, in the first couple episodes, we just talked high-level what it means to have a belief about the end of time or, you know, what entertainment says about the end of time, what just people on the street would say about thinking that the world someday may come to an end. Then we moved into some world religions and what their beliefs are. And then we moved to Christianity and kind of dove into Christian eschatology. And then kind of, you know, talked about the fact that once you are a Christian and you start getting into Christian eschatology, there are uh, versions within that even as well. And so we've talked a lot about the historicist view, the preterist view, and the futurist view of the end of time. Then at some point, we uh, moved toward the deep end of the pool. We dove into the left bookend, we call it, the book of Daniel. Uh, We walked through some of his stories, and then we walked through a number of his visions or his dreams, which we refer to as apocalyptic prophecy. Uh, So the last time we were together, we talked about the second and third dream that he had, which kind of built on the first dream, the dream of the giant statue. And then we also introduced prophetic math, and we discussed the 1260-day prophecy and the 2300-day prophecy. So today, we dive into probably the most debated time prophecy, the 70 weeks prophecy in Daniel. So historicists and futurists kind of diverge here big time, which leads to two very different explanations, not about the, the time period itself, but more about how the end times play out. So today's topic, Transcending Eschatology, Part 8, Daniel's 70 Weeks. Chapter 1, Reading Jeremiah. Chapter 2, Gabriel and the Seven Weeks, or the 70 Weeks, rather. And Chapter 3, The 70 Weeks Debate. 
So here we go. Chapter one, reading Jeremiah. So in our last episode, like I said, we talked about Daniel's second and third dream. And so this takes place right after his third dream. Uh, Dream one, we said, was about the giant statue. Dream two, kind of built on that one. Um, It was a dream that Daniel had in the first year of the reign of Belshazzar in Babylon. Uh, It was the dream with the four beasts and the little horn. And then his third dream was in the third year of the reign of Belshazzar, still in Babylon. Um, And it was a dream with the ram and the goat and wound up talking about the little horn as well. In dream two, uh, during the interpretation of the dream, uh, there was a being near the throne room in heaven. And that's who told Daniel about the 1260 days prophecy. Then in dream three, during the interpretation of the dream, Gabriel uh, brings up the 2300 days. Then there's a break, like a historical break, because when we enter Daniel 9, it's years later. No longer is Babylon the ruling civilization. Instead, Daniel 9 starts by explaining that Daniel's next dream occurred in the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. So the Medes and the Persians had taken over Babylon, and the Mede the Medes were now in power, and Darius was the king. So the chest and the arms of silver were representative of the Medes and the Persians. Then you had the bear in the next dream that was representative of the Medes and the Persians. And finally, in the last dream, you had the ram. Now, Daniel 9 isn't really a dream, although I called it one. The chapter really explains that Daniel was studying the book of Jeremiah And he had come to an understanding that God was going to allow Israel to become desolate for 70 years. Basically a period of punishment for some of the wicked things that they had begun to do. And the reason why Daniel was so interested in this 70-year period of time is because he was living in it. Israel had been conquered by Babylon, and the Israelite people had been moved out of their homeland into captivity. Daniel, his friends, and many other families were what we call in exile. So they were living in Babylon and wondering what it might take to be able to return home someday. And so Daniel goes into this whole dialogue with God, praying that he not forget his people and that he listened to the prophets who had prayed on behalf of the people. He reminds God that there was a covenant God made with Israel and that God had said Israel was his chosen people. Chapter 2, Gabriel and the 70 Weeks. So at some point during this prayer, Daniel was getting pretty worked up, right? He was begging God to hear him and not punish Israel any longer. You can imagine Daniel and his friends being moved into Babylon, being there for this long period of time, having Babylon conquered by the Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians come in. And after this big changeover in civilization, you can just imagine Daniel thinking to himself, okay, so we've been here, we've been stuck here for so long, I wonder when we'll be able to go home. So he was in the middle of all that when Gabriel shows up and he says that he was sent to give Daniel the skill to understand. Now, I love that part. I absolutely love it. I can't tell you how many times I've read parts of the Bible and felt like I was almost able to understand it, but just not quite. And like Daniel, all I needed was someone like Gabriel to show up and just give me that little extra ounce of skill 
to understand what I was reading, that little boost to help me with my comprehension. And that's what he did for Daniel. Gabriel dives right in to one of the most important time prophecies that Daniel will be presented with, the prophecy of the 70 weeks. We refer to this as the 70 weeks of Daniel, and it's one of the core time prophecies presented in the left bookend in the book of Daniel. So let's read it word for word, and then we can go into discussion after. So we find the 70 weeks prophecy in Daniel 9, 24 to 27. Gabriel says, A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Now, listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing, and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The end will come with a flood, and war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings, and as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. Now, I know, it doesn't get much more cryptic than that, right? I mean, that's a lot of numbers, symbols, vague references to people, and words that probably have other meanings. And this time, there really is no interpretation. What we know is that this wasn't a dream. Gabriel himself was there giving Daniel this information. So there's no need to interpret because he just flat out gave him this information as if Daniel should understand it. You know, there's a chance that Gabriel probably clarified some things. Maybe he told Daniel some more information, more information that we even have today. But at the end of the day, I think Gabriel told him to write it down just like this. My guess is that it frustrated Daniel because it seems so vague, right? He couldn't fully understand what it meant. But then you see something interesting. In multiple places in the book of Daniel, the being and or Gabriel explains things to him like this. Daniel, don't worry, for these things are a long way off. Or Daniel, the vision refers to many days yet to come. Or this one, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. Which I find interesting because it actually makes logical sense. Many people look at the Bible as... A book of fun stories, you know, made up to offer us hope, um, things like that, that this prophecy, this uh, apocalyptic prophecy that we read is, is nothing more than a story, tales of peril and persecution, and that they always end in this victory and, and freedom. And that's really why they were written, was just to give people a positive experience or to encourage them. But what I see 
reading all of this, is more a loving God working with the writers to document a future that will be, to predict things coming in terms that wouldn't make sense at the time. In Daniel 9 and 10, we start to see Daniel's personality come out a little bit, right? As he reads the 70-week prophecy in Jeremiah, or the 70-year prophecy, rather, in Jeremiah, he starts to become distraught, and he pleads with God to spare his people. Then in chapter 10, he falls even further into that dark place. He explains that he mourned for three straight weeks and didn't eat well at all during that time. Then he was visited by the heavenly messenger, and that troubled him even more. He was weak and he couldn't even stand. Uh, He explained that due to the dreams he was having, he was sad to the point of being overwhelmed. But the messenger strengthened him, helped him up, and told him that he would be okay. Chapter 3 the 70 weeks debate. So we've discussed the fact that the Bible didn't really interpret this one for us, right? Gabriel may have provided Daniel with a bit more context just to ease his mind, but we really aren't the beneficiaries of that information. And so we're basically left to decode it for ourselves. Uh, At any time, it's left up to us. And when it's left up to us, what, it, what typically happens between people, right? There's arguments, there's debates, and eventually there's division. Because people are more interested in being right than they are in being correct. And this is really why there are so many interpretations of Bible prophecy. It's, it's why there are so many conspiracy theories. Because people want to believe that they know things, that they understand the truth. As humans, we love to have knowledge, especially knowledge that other people don't have, right? It makes us feel special, spiritual, valuable on some level. And so I believe it is with Daniel's 70 weeks. There are multiple interpretations of each, and they're influenced by these three things. First, the start, second, the end, and third, what I call the continuity. So first off, it's interesting that most views agree on one thing, that the time prophecy is a period of years and not days. Back to our prophetic math we talked about in the past, most of the interpretations follow the day-year principle when it comes to Daniel's 70 weeks for some reason. Why? I don't know probably because it doesn't make a lot of sense without it. 70 literal weeks is only 490 days, which is a very short period of time. Most Bible scholars aren't even able to find a period of time in history where the things that Gabriel describes fit into a 490-day period of time. Again, the day-year principle is key to Bible prophecy. But back to our list. First is the start of the prophecy. So Gabriel explains that it starts from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Now, you would think that this would be pretty straightforward, right? A pretty simple task. Just look back through history and figure out where Israel was given the ability to return to Jerusalem and rebuild it. But that was a really long time ago. And it appears there are multiple times when they were given this opportunity. Cyrus issued a decree in 438 BC, Darius I issued a decree in 520 BC, Artaxerxes issued a decree in 457 BC. So each of these decrees can be found in the Bible as well, mostly in the books of Ezra or Nehemiah. So there you go. You have three options. Pick your poison. Okay, next you have the end of the prophecy, 
So Gabriel explains the end in the very same verse where he describes the start. From the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. So seven weeks plus 62 weeks equals 69 weeks or 483 days. Now, Using the whole day-year principle, that works out to 483 literal years. So if you can figure out the start, then you should know that 483 years later, you should wind up around the time of Jesus, or what the prophecy refers to as Messiah the Prince. And finally, we have the continuity of the prophecy. So some believe that the 70 weeks are all part of one large block of time. And others believe that because the time period was presented in chunks, that maybe it was meant to be disconnected, right? Maybe it wasn't one large period of time. So that's where we get our two most popular interpretations of the 70 weeks of Daniel, the continuity of the 70 weeks. We get the first, which is 490 years in a row, start to finish, and then we get 483 years in a row, and then seven additional years being cut off from that and moved downward toward the end of time. Now, I'm sure there are other interpretations, but these are two of the most popular today. So who believes what about the start? Well, it's fascinating to me how the Bible allows for multiple interpretations, right? It's as if God said, I'm not going to give them the answer. Instead, I'm going to provide a variety of answers. Otherwise, why are there multiple decrees to restore and rebuild Jerusalem? Anyway, that's a rabbit trail. But back to the way that people interpret the start. From where I stand, it appears that people pick the start date based on what they believe about the continuity. Basically, the whole chicken or the egg problem, right? Which came first? Because it seems like people have ideas about things like the tribulation, the Antichrist, and stuff like that. And they're basically applying those beliefs back to Daniel's 70 weeks rather than allowing the 70 weeks to define the other stuff. So let's start with historicists. Historicists typically view the 490 years to be consecutive. The start is typically believed to be Artaxerxes the first degree, which was in 457 BC. They believe that 79 weeks leads from there to the baptism of Jesus, or when he started his ministry on earth. That started the 70th week, or the final seven years of the prophecy. Three and a half years later, into Jesus' ministry, he died on the cross, And then three and a half years after that, so seven years in total, came the end of the prophecy, which works out to 34 AD. This ending occurred, um, reportedly, when Stephen, one one of the followers of Jesus, was stoned to death. Now, why does that hold any significance whatsoever? I mean, there were a lot of disciples and followers of Jesus who met their fate horribly, either being stoned or hung or crucified. The reason that this was a significant event was because that Stephen was preaching 
in, in his ministry, he spent a lot of time focused on the fact that the covenant between God and Israel was no longer valid. That Israel had rejected Jesus when they allowed him to be crucified on the cross. And so the gospel had now been taken away from the Jewish people and given to everyone. It was now open for business, so to speak. So it would be available to everyone in the world. Gentiles, people that Israel believed to be unclean, would have the same opportunities as an Israelite. Now let's talk about the futurists for a bit. So the futurists have a slightly different take on the 490 years. They view the start as happening with the Artaxerxes degree as well, but they don't believe that it happened in 457 BC. Instead, they have dated the decree to have happened in 444 or 445 BC, somewhere in there. Now, using this date, they can take the 69 weeks or 483 years, and they can say that it takes you to the death of Jesus. Now, technically, that isn't really possible because adding 483 years to 445 BC brings you to 37 AD. However, they use uh, an interesting explanation. Uh, they say that you need to adjust your time for some reason because the Jewish calendar has 360 days in a year versus the 365 that we now use. So somewhere in this adjustment process, it takes them to the death of Jesus in 33 AD. Then the final week of years, so seven literal years, are cut off of the prophecy and they are moved all the way down to the end of time. And these seven years are said to begin when the church is raptured off the earth. Then for three and a half years, there will be problems. There will be, there will be troubles. The world will kind of start spiraling a bit. And then in the middle of that seven years, this person will arise known as the Antichrist and they will rise to power. And then for three and a half years, there will be what's called the Great Tribulation. So things will be really bad for three and a half years. And then at the end of those seven years, Jesus will return to earth. So there you go. Like I said, Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy is a very important one because depending on how you interpret it, it either describes a period of time in the past or it describes the way things will be at the end of time. But it can't be both, friends. That's obvious, right? It's important that we pick our poison right here and now. As this prophecy creates a crossroads of sorts for the Christian. Based on which way you go, you'll need to reinterpret the rest of Bible prophecy using this as your filter. So let's land the plane. First of all, thank you so much for being here again. Love that you're on this journey with me. Um, I hope you found this interesting, if not entertaining on some level. Uh, this really is the deep end of the pool, friends. And next week, it's going to get even deeper as we kind of finish up our look, finish up our look at the left bookend, the book of Daniel. So next week, we're going to look at the final three chapters, 10, 11, and 12, and really allow that to kind of wrap things up for us. Um, I'll be honest, the last few visions of, of Daniel, I don't fully get. I don't really understand it. I've, I have read multiple interpretations of what it means. So I get it. Like I get what people are saying. But on some level, it's just way too detailed. Um, and we'll talk, we'll talk more about that 
But the good thing is, I don't know that Daniel 10, 11, and 12 mean a whole lot to me in terms of my overall view of eschatology. It's interesting stuff, and if you're able to figure it out, that's awesome, that's great. But I don't know that any major changes happen in your interpretation because of that, uh, those prophecies. But anyway, we'll talk more about that next week. Um, like I said, thanks for being here. It was great having you here. This is a very short uh, episode. Um, I think we've had some that are closer to an hour. This is literally going to wrap up at about 25 minutes. But that's okay, because that's all I wanted to talk about today. I just wanted to go over that 70-week prophecy and really just throw some ideas out there for additional study. So thanks again, friends. Have a great week. And as I always say, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the episode you're looking for. On the website, you'll also find blog posts, podcast series, and other helpful resources to help you navigate the Transcend Human ecosystem. You'll also find links to our social media channels. And as always, if you have questions, feel free to contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning.